Welcome to the PMC Podcast, brought to you by Rachel Waver Bookkeeping, Neff's Country Corner, Zach Screamery, Montgomery Welding, and all others who have donated to our ministry. Myself and my co-host, Nate Raber, hope you enjoy our episode today as we dive into biblical truths, talk to brothers and sisters in the faith, and explore what God is doing in the lives of his people. We pray today that God would be glorified. All right. Welcome to the PMC Podcast. Once again, I'm Josh Schwartzentrooper with my co-host, Nate Raber, here at Providence Mennonite Church on a Friday morning. Good morning, Nate. Good morning. How's the coffee this morning? I haven't tried it yet. I haven't either. Waiting for it to cool down. I know. There, I, there's there's very few things in life that I find more annoying than taking a drink of your coffee too soon mm-hmm. and burning your tongue because the tongue burn lasts for two weeks, it feels yeah. like. Yeah, that, that momentary decision is, there's consequences for three or four days. Yeah, but I think that there's a, there's a sanctification process in it because you're learning patience. I'm tired. I want to drink it, but I'm learning to be patient. Well, I mean, that's so much. Wait upon the Lord. Wait upon your coffee. So, oh, no, no, no. Don't know about that. Okay, no, no. Heresy. Don't know if I like that. <laughs> I'm trying to get some new catchy slogans. Probably not that one. You're trying to be like all those guys on Twitter. <laughs> be the first one. To, yeah, the new catchy. The new catchy. Oh, weird. Have you ever thought of First John 3 like this? <laughs> Uh, they just want to be the. They just want to be the guy. They want to be the guy on, on X. Sorry, on X. Yeah, they want to be the guy on X that uh, has the new the new catchy slogan that people quote during their sermons and stuff like that. But you know, it's just that's what we live in. It's not what you're about. I'm not about that. No, at all. A, because I don't care. B, I'm not that talented. I'm not gonna come up with such an original thought. Well, I didn't. I didn't think you were on X, huh? I didn't think you were on X. I currently am monitoring X right now. Oh, I told you that. I'm currently monitoring X. Monitoring, <laughs> not on it. I'm monitoring X on uh, St. Louis Cardinal baseball news, which there has been a lot. So I'm glad I've been been catching the news. But they're they're signing every old ca- old pitcher in in the league. Like congratulations, your your rotation's 40 years old. It's not a sports podcast, so I'm not going to get into it, but. I'll send you something today. Lance Lynn made a good point when I uh, asked him about that. He said, all these young guys are told to go out there and throw their five innings to 100 miles an hour. And he said, us old guys, we're taught to go out there and throw 180 oh, innings. Boy. That's all the Cardinals want is 180 innings of pitching. Last they can't, last year they couldn't have a guy that could go more than four two-thirds. And that taxes your bullpen. Not a sports podcast. Yeah, it'll be fine. Anyways, we are diving into Revelation. We were off last week um, due to some holiday stuff going on. Nate went north, and I had some stuff going on, so we decided to just take a break for the holidays. We're our own bosses. We can take off. There you go. We're self-employed. We're self-employed here at the BMC Podcast. (laughs) Uh, So we decided to take a week off. Uh, But now we're back and diving into Revelation. And next week, Nate, we actually have uh, T.C. Cook coming on to Mm -hmm. the show. Uh, TC's got some cool stuff going over at the powerhouse. And then as of yesterday, uh, he announced that he will be running for county commissioner. So he's going to talk a little bit about that kind of stuff going on there. And Nate, I know it's always good and we'll talk a little bit more this next week, but it's always good to get good Christian guys in, mm-hmm. in positions like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm excited to see what Tracy 
or TC, however you want to call him, uh, to hear about the things that are going on in the powerhouse. I got a new building that's coming up yep. uh, that's going on over there. TC's doing a good job with that. And then just to hear his ideas on uh, the county commissioner, what they actually do. I'm going to my first commissioner's meeting December 26th. Why? Uh, this guy, re- the guy reached out to me. They uh, always have a prayer before the meetings, Uh-oh. and they always try to get different pastors come in. Kevin's done it several times, and Kevin gave him uh, Eric and I's name. But most of their uh, meetings are during the school week in the mornings, like at 9. So oh, I really? can't really do that. Um, so he called and asked me if I wanted to come in December 26th at 9 and do it. The day after Christmas. And the day after Christmas. I haven't told my wife yet, but I told him I would. Well, the commissioners just, you know, they work they right through the holidays. They don't give up. Man. No days off. No days off. So I'm going over to Washington and uh, just praying before the meeting. I'm not staying for the meeting. You're going to be a non-voting member of the gallery? Yeah, no, I'm not. I, I, don't, I don't care. You're going to voice your concerns about? <laughs> about what? I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah. What. But, uh, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what that position holds. And, uh, you know, it's it's nice to know, like I said, uh, Christian guys are stepping up in those positions. I'd like to voice my concerns about this construction on Highway 50. It's a nuisance. It is a nuisance. And the, the, the paving they did is all bumpy. <laughs> I'm sure that county commissioners. You sound like an old curmudgeon. Just stop. <laughs> I'm sure the county commissioners have zero control over that. But, <laughs> I doubt that but when you're at the meeting day after Christmas, I have a day, you let them Chris, know. Chris Winkler has in control of that with, at, at, the, at the county. You just let those commissioners know that they're the concerned citizen <laughs> about the bumpiness of the highway. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that they've probably received calls about it already. I, I'm, There's not people in the world that would call the county prob- commissioners. But the people. <laughs> About about a state highway problem, would there? Is there is there people people like that that would do that? I can't imagine that there would be. But anyways, so there's our rabbit trail for today. <laughs> but anyways, so TC is going to be coming on, telling us a little about that. So we're excited to have TC on, uh, and they've got a new thing going on at their podcast. Clearly speaking, they're kind of branching off into their own little network type thing where they're going to be doing two podcasts a week. Uh, Zach will do one. TC is going to do one. So oh. they do one together. It'd just be like if you and I broke off. Zach Graber does? No, Zach Johnson. Oh, Oh, okay. He passed over at... uh, uh, Mother Baptist Church, isn't it? Yeah, it's somewhere in uh, northern Davis County. I can't think of which one. Plainville, maybe. Elnora. Elnora. No, Plainville. I think you're right. Plainville. I think you're right. One of those two. Um, But yeah, so they're breaking off and doing uh, kind of their own separate podcast there. They're going to have a... Yeah, I think they have a blog that they keep up. So they're 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 doing a lot of different networking cool. stuff. So yeah, cool things happening there. But today we are talking about Revelation, and we've already spent seven minutes and haven't dove in, and we've got a lot of information to cover today. But we talked about how uh, this is a book, Nate, that we wanted to tackle just because of all the confusion and all the different uh, things that come with that. And uh, so far, just in reading chapters one and two, MacArthur does a good job of explaining the meaning and the purpose behind Revelation. And Nate, in these first two chapters that we're going to talk about today, um, I thought MacArthur did a good job of keeping the focus where the focus needs to be, and that's on Christ. And he makes sure to bring out the point that Christ is the one that is glorified in this. Um, one interesting fact I thought that he brought up here was that Revelation's actually the Father's gift to the Son. Mm-hmm. And uh, we see that in how he was going to be exalted and uh, yeah, so as we read this, Nate, 
making sure our focus is on what the focus needs to be on, not all the other things that we tend to turn revelation into and make it confusing. But as it's stated in here, as believers, this book should not be confusing to us. Mm -hmm. It should be encouraging to us. And those that don't understand it and those that think it are confused, that think it is confusing, they never will get it because they don't get Christ. They don't understand Christ. So that's kind of the key. If you want to know how to read Revelation, read it just as you do in every scripture that we encourage here on the PMC podcast. Read it with a Christ-centered uh, eye as you dive in. Mm-hmm. So the first couple chapters here that uh, MacArthur is going to have, he's going to cover chapter one. And, and chapter one is kind of the prologue. It's kind of the intro to Revelation. Uh, in chapter two, we get the, the actual letters to the churches. But the first uh, chapter here, he's kind of kind of set the scene and, and kind of explain what's going on here and John's vision. Um, and, and MacArthur does a good job breaking this down. And so Revelation 1, Revelation 1, one says, The revelation of, Re- of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place, he made it known by sending his angels, his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that, that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and keep what is written, for the time is near. Uh, and so Piper or MacArthur points out that, that just like you said, um, this is a book that that is designed for us to understand. It's designed for us to do what is in this book. Um, and and this is one of the only books in the New Testament that you're actually um, blessed for for reading it, right? We don't see this in, in the Gospels where um, Jesus or, or God says that, that people are blessed for reading these words aloud. And and so I think there's, there's one of the kind of uh, encouragements here of Revelation. It's not a book that we just put aside because we can't understand it. Uh, we're actually given a promise here um, that, that those who read this book um, will be blessed. Yeah, I agree. And, it, and that's why I think that, that the opening there in that particular part right there, bless the one who is allowed, who read words, reads the words of this prophecy, it tells us too, Nate, that the prophecy, so these are obviously going to be future mm-hmm. things that are talked about here. And uh, as he mentions here in this passage, we see things in the present, we see things in the past, but for most part, this book is written of, of accounts and events that will happen in the future. Mm-hmm. And these visions were given to John, and we'll get into that here in a second. But there's something to I grab a hold to, grab a hold onto at that beginning part that says, Blessed is the one who reads this book. Mm-hmm. Because I think, Nate, like we said, like you said, we can get kind of hesitant to dive into Revelation just because we don't like to dive into things that don't make sense to us. We can get hesitant to read it because we're fearful of it. But this is a book that's a blessing. And when we read it like that, and with that mindset, we truly, I think, get out of it, Nate, what exactly it is that, that God's intent was for this book to be in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And he keeps going in verse 4. He says, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace to him, who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sin by his blood and made us a kingdom priest to his God and father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And so the first six verses here 
um, kind of spell out the special characteristics of the of the book. Uh, they kind of tell us exactly what this book is about. Uh, it's going to tell us that that this is revelation, right? This is going to warn the church. Um, we're going to see the warning of these seven churches of of the need for holiness, warning them uh, of the sin that they're in, and then it's going to detail um, the seven uh, the the second coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so it kind of lays out here what is this book all going to be all about. Um, and, and we'll get into to the letters to the specific churches later. Um, but all of them ha- follow the same pattern. Correct. Uh, and, and are built on the same foundation that he's, mm-hmm. that he sets here, you know, grace to you for the peace who is and was, and is to come. And from the seven spirits who's before you and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness of the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the King to whom, who loves us, all these different things you mm-hmm. said, mm-hmm. that's setting the foundation of what the book is. And that's how I love how John starts this book off because he's saying, this is why all of this is happening. If we don't have that foundation, then yes, reading this book can get confusing. Reading this book's not going to make any sense. Reading this book will bring on fear. But if we don't have the foundation, Nate, that's where that's what separates the believer and unbeliever. And there's there's eight references to Jesus in just the first chapter. And so if you if you read this, just thinking, you know, can I can I get some mathematical equation to figure out when the end of time is? When the, when, the, when the last days are or when the Antichrist is going to come or when the rapture is going to happen. when we If we read Revelation like that, it's hard to do that reading chapter one. Correct. When Jesus is mentioned eight different times. Yes. Um, and we miss the whole purpose of this book, the central theme of this book, that, that heaven is open for us. We can see this risen and glorified Jesus. Last time we saw Jesus, right? He was on the cross. Correct. He had, he had r- risen from the dead and then he had been resurrected. But, but here now we see this, this resurrected, this glorified Jesus, um, that we haven't seen yet. And, and I think a lot of people miss that in revelation. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to point out to. Like you said, it, it's very clear in scripture that Christ's first coming was about serving. Mm-hmm. He came to serve is what scripture says. But what Revelation is going to point to, Nate, is as he comes back for a second time, as it mentioned here in the book, Christ is coming back to be served. So he came to serve in his first coming. Now he's coming back to be served. So mm-hmm. he came as a in humility as a humble servant for God and his people. And now as he's coming back, this is where that usher in that gift that God's given him, he's coming back to be exalted, to take his rightful place on the throne to be the king to be glorified Mm -hmm. so if we're reading all of this revelation book without that thought in mind we're missing the whole point Mm -hmm. and then verses seven and eight kind of finish this section he says behold he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him even those who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him even so Amen. I am the Alpha, Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and was and is to come, the Almighty. And, and here we just see more of who Jesus is, what he's going to do when he gets here. Um, and we see this this compelling urgency. The, the time is near, right? Correct. The time is near. Um, John urges all these churches to watch ex, uh, expect, ex, expectantly. Expectantly. Um, for his return, for, for Jesus to come back. Um, and we see the preview of the second coming, right? The, the entire theme is the second coming. And so here, just in verses 7 and 8, we see that just a, a very small window um, into who God is or who Jesus is and, and how we'll see him. 
Correct. And as he breaks this down in the actual book, that book that uh, because the time is near, uh, verses one to eight are broken into two different sections. And like we said, one through six is the specific characteristics of the book. And then seven to eight previews of the second coming. So that's kind of where we see this first thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first thing he brings it, he brings it up, breaks it up into a couple different things. Uh, the essential nature, its central theme, its divine source, its human recipients, its prophetic character, its supernatural delivery, uh, its promised blessing. I missed one. Oh, it's humans. Uh, it's human author. It's compelling urgency. So it kind of breaks it down. And just like MacArthur does, he can turn he can turn like four verses into a whole hour sermon. Mm-hmm. But uh, as he as he does this, Nate, it's important that we break, we look at these specific things and understand what he's trying to bring out here. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you said, Nate, in the essential nature, it is a warning. It is a warning that we see here. It warns the church of danger of sin and instructs the need for holiness. And then it also details events of the second coming. Well, let's not shy away from what the second coming is. I mean, the second coming is, yes, Christ coming back to take his rightful place as king over the world. But it's also going to be a second coming, Nate, of judgment for those who never chose mm-hmm. him, who never believed in him. Mm-hmm. And as we understand that, that plays a big part into the gospel, I think. If we don't, if we don't have the bad news, then the good news isn't good. So understanding that when he comes back, yes, he's he is a gracious, merciful, loving God, but he's also a just God. So that warning is necessary when it comes to the speaking of the gospel of Christ. Mm-hmm. And Revelation doesn't shy away from that. Yep. And so we see at the end of uh, verse 8 that that the Lord God says, I am, right? We've got that. We did a series over yeah. the I am statements a couple years ago, right? I am the Alpha and the Omega who is and was and is to come. Uh, and, and he says he is the almighty, right? And so here we, we have a, we have a picture of who Jesus is. And now we're going to see in the rest of chapter one, uh, what, what John is doing and, and what, what, how he's receiving this vision, uh, and how he's receiving these, these words to write to the, to the letter or write the letters to the churches. And he says, I, John in verse nine, your brother, which, I don't know. If, I don't remember if MacArthur pointed this out, or uh, he probably did. I, I'm sure I didn't come this up this with myself. Uh, but in in John's gospel, he never refers to himself as John. Yeah, MacArthur brings does it. Does he? Up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, which I just kind of thought was interesting that you know, this is you know probably the second or third time we see him refer to himself as John, and and I don't have an answer for this, but I'm, it's I just find it interesting that John in his gospel. Um, talks about you know refers to himself as the one that that jesus loved and doesn't ever refer to himself as as john doesn't you ever use his, his name uh, but here in revelation he uses it three times in the first chapter yes and the reason that he does that is almost out of like uh kind of a fear fearful reverent um kind of just more of like a, as macarthur brings out this isn't this isn't me saying this um but as macarthur brings out here the I, John statement, uh, it says that John was astounded that despite his unworthiness, he had the incomparable privilege of receiving this monumental vision. So this I, John statement, um, it says this is the third time in the first nine verses that John refers to himself by name. So John is almost just astounded that he, John, 
mm-hmm. you know, I am a nobody, but I, John, have received this these visions. Just an old guy sitting in a cave. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, he, he was an eyewitness to the revelation of Christ that begins to unfold with this vision. So it it's it's interesting as John brings this part out here, um, he he's 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 kind of having this humbling experience that oh my word, I'm the one that is receiving mm-hmm, this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why MacArthur said he brings out the I John statement so many times. So he says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and in the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on the account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyma, to Pergamum, Pergamum, to Pergamum, Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and and I and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstand, one like a son of man, clothed with a long long robe and a golden sash around his chest. The hairs on his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were burnished, were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a, two, a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. And so here we see this, this kind of the first time in Revelation, these, this vivid description of who is speaking to John in this very vivid description uh, of what Jesus looks like in the in the glorified uh, sense of being in heaven. Here we see kind of the curtain pulled back to see what what does Jesus look like, uh, and and John gives us a very vivid description um, of of what he looks like, and we're going to see uh, kind of one of the a couple of things that that stand out. Um, and the first thing that he says in in um, in verse 12 here is that, that Christ empowers the church, right? And we see this hand-in-hand picture of Jesus and the description of who he was with the white hair and the bronze feet and the, and the two-edged sword in the middle of the golden lampstands, right? These seven churches, these are specific churches, specific ch- seven churches, uh, but they're the they're the the church generally, right? They're, they symbolize right. Yeah. Um, the church as being the light of the world, right? The, the lampstand was used in the temple um, to to light the temple, mm-hmm. and so these churches are are specifically the seven churches that are going to get the letters, but generally as well as the, the the church of Jesus Christ, and and symbolizing the light of the world. And in the middle was a like a son of man, and this is going to be Jesus. Yeah, and I think that we see several different things here. I want to go back to verse 9 and just understand who the writer of Revelation is. I know we talked about this uh, two weeks ago when we did this, but to understand a little bit about John and that I, John statement that he said here, one thing that stuck out to me, Nate, when I was reading this uh, chapter and understanding this is God never does anything just by chance or without a purpose. Um, for John to be the one that he reveals this to, and for John to be the one that writes the book of Revelation, uh, I thought it was interesting. Uh, as he says there, he says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. So what he's doing initially, Nate, is 
Christ, or God has chosen John to write this book of Revelation to understand the way in that first line as John is introducing himself, he's relating to the people by saying, your partner in tribulation. John was not one that was uh, unfamiliar with persecution or mm-hmm. tribulation. Um, he had been cast to the uh, island of Patmos, and uh, it was you know not a not a great thing that was going on there. He was persecuted prior to that. Um, he, as amongst all his apostle friends, uh, were persecuted greatly. John was not necessarily killed because of it, like his other brothers were, but he understood the tribulation that was going on there. But then he also stood the patient endurance that he was writing to the people at this time, because as they bring out here, we brought out several times uh, during the first few decades after Christ, um, things were okay that, you know, the Romans considered them a sect of Judaism. Um, but prior to that, uh, he, MacArthur brings out several different things about uh, how people just hated Christian Christians at this time. Um, and it wasn't really until Nero came and you brought it up here before that he was trying to blame them for the, the great fire that had happened. People were suffering during this time. They were going through uh, a great tribulation. So John is writing to them as a brother, understanding where they're coming from, and then going forth and preaching this. So as he mentions, as he goes into these churches that you had brought up, Nate, as he goes into those, he's not only talking to those specifically, like you mentioned, but he's talking to the church of Christ, all of us, and how we are to be the light. So he's relating to them because, Nate, as you know, it's easier for us to relate to someone that has gone through similar stuff that we have. Um, nothing, Nothing... I think drives people, they get it that it's, they're trying to be kind, but whenever you come up to somebody that just went through a loss or going through something, you say, they say, Hey, I know what you're going through. Like, do you? I don't know if you do, but Mm -hmm. John's relating to them because he has. And then that makes what he says a little bit more. Oomph. Oomph. Like a little bit more reliable, a little bit Mm -hmm. more. I can believe this. So as we go through here, that's just kind of another thing that stood out to me in revelation here is, that God's not just throwing this vision out there. Just, John, write this now. Throw it all out there. No, John, I'm, pick, I'm choosing you for this reason. Mention this reason because I want, people to, I want people to understand that you have experienced this and that you, they can be delivered from this just as you have. Mm-hmm. And then as we go through, that's just kind of the, before we get into all the, uh, oh, what I'm looking for, the, all the, the details. The details and the, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Where you compare something that's not really that, but you know, like uh, analogies, analogies or symbolisms is what I'm looking for. You know, before we get into all that, we see we see this is just very simple stuff here, but it's important to yeah. understand that why John's the author. Yeah, and so we see that that he is he is seeing this vision, right? He he is what um, thoughts just popped in my head when we went over um, the twelve ordinary man book that MacArthur wrote, I think. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think in that book, um, MacArthur points out that, that John was the only disciple that didn't suffer, uh, the ultimate call, uh, the ultimate price. Uh, it wasn't martyred. It wasn't martyred. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think MacArthur brought up the point that, that this was probably the, the hardest on anybody. Cause he, not only does he have to see, you know, his friends mm-hmm. that he walked, 
the earth around for, for 18 months. He sees his, his own brother Correct. Uh, killed. And, and so just because, you know, we think, well, John was lucky, right? He didn't. John had to see hundreds. He had to see his best friends. He had to see hundreds of people martyred for the faith. Yeah, absolutely. Think about it, Nate. Would you rather, this is, this is really a morbid thought, but I've thought about this before, but would you rather die before your wife or see your wife die? Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, think about that. I, I, I think we all know the answer. I think mm-hmm. I'd rather die. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hard. And he had to suffer through a lot of this. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah, like I said, I think a lot of times we think, well, John was lucky. It's not a bad point, yeah. Um, and I, I don't think that's my point. I think that's MacArthur brought that Maybe up. Maybe that. I'll give it to you right now. I don't. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Let me put it on X for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to be the next guy. Uh, and so we see uh, John has a has a vision here, right? He's going he's gonna to be told to write for the churches he's supposed to uh write to these churches and we'll look at specifically these churches but we want to look at at that 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 person like the son of man in the middle of these seven churches and and this is obviously jesus right and we see um through john's description we see a lot of insight in who jesus is in verse 13 he wear he's wearing um these these long robes and a golden sash around his neck and the, and these robes are obviously royalty right correct um earthly royalty and also um this is a lot of times translated into the robe that the high priest wore um and so we a get, couple of weeks since we've we, heard high priest we get a little hebrews <laughs> a little hebrews going uh, on but we see that that you know this is the the holy high priest the royal high priest um by what he's wearing we see that he has white hair um, and readers would have alter- very quickly um, kind of identified that with Christ's deity, right? Yes, the, the, yes. the godness of, of Christ with the white hair that John writes about. His eyes are penetrating the depths of the church. His bronze feet, this is a, yeah. a, a reference to judgment. Uh, the feet of, of a king symbolize authority because when you came and asked a king, you bowed down and that's all you saw. Um, and so he has authority. He has deity. Um, he has the, the ability to control his church. Um, he holds them in his right hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is not the idea of, of safety, like he's, you know, protecting them, but the idea of control, mm-hmm. he's controlling them with his right hand. Um, he, he's protecting his church with that two edged sword to defeat, um, these external threats. Uh, and then we're going to see internal threats as well with the, with the other churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we just see his, his glory reflected in his church. And so just the vision that John has with who Jesus is and, and, and what he's wearing and, and what he looks like should just give us a picture of ultimate royalty and ultimate authority. Um, and he's in the middle of these churches, right? He's Correct. holding, he's controlling these churches. Um, he's holding the seven churches and he's holding his church. And I think this is important, Nate, that, that John brought this vision up first. And it may have been the first of the visions that he saw. I'm not sure. I, you know, I don't know if this is John saw all these and then he put them in order, or if this was John that ordered this or how this happened. But it's important that he brought up this particular vision first, because as we mentioned before, Nate, the people that he's writing to at this time are going through some very, very difficult times. I know this week I'm preaching on First Peter out of First Peter one, and we've we did a whole series on First Peter, and in in the in the time that Peter's writing to the people, the persecuted uh, people in the church at that time, um, they need encouragement. They need encouragement. So what better encouragement than for John to list out in the first vision that he saw here 
that, okay, guys, here are the seven churches represented by the seven lampstands, and look who is right there in the midst of them. Mm-hmm. It, is, it, is, it is the Christ. It is Christ, the, our Savior. And then these descriptions that he uses here, we may not necessarily understand them fully because we don't live in the time. This is, this is a culture thing, too. I mean, mm-hmm. the robe, the white hair, the bronze feet, all these different things are very cultural. So we may not understand them, but as we study them, we can. But to these people, hearing these things, Nate, had to give them a sense of relief that, hey, we're okay. Mm-hmm. Christ is amidst us. Even in the worst of times, we can hold on to what I'm talking about this Sunday, that hope. Mm-hmm. And that's what, that, that, that's what John is giving them here in this first vision, is that there is hope, and it is found in Christ. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually liked the part, and I know that some people may not, Nate, but that word control kind of seems like it can get kind of negative today and we don't like to be controlled um, everybody thinks that you're being controlled by the government being controlled by a spouse being controlled by uh, your boss whatever it may be we don't like to be controlled we like to be our own person we want to do something but i like that whenever he sits there and he mentions this holding them in the right hand it doesn't it doesn't mean safety mm-hmm. but it means he, he's in control tell me what nate would you rather that would you rather god just keep you safe or god be in control Mm-hmm. Some people may not answer that the way that we think it should be answered. But man, give me control over safety any day. And you can see here clearly, was he giving the apostles safety? At times he protected them when they needed to go forward because they needed to do the job that and the will that he had planned out for them. But ultimately he was in control. And it's in that control, that fancy word that we use all the time for control, sovereignty, that we can find peace, not just in knowing that we're going to be safe. Mm-hmm. Because if no one were going to be safe, that doesn't really give us the end goal. Mm-hmm. But to understand that he's in control, that that brings that brings us peace in the midst of persecution. It brings us peace. And and can you imagine how much peace it would have brought these, Those these churches? People, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that I think that's what I'm trying to bring. I think that's mm-hmm. good that he brings this point out first mm-hmm. because he's kind of given them this peace of understanding things are okay. Yep. And so this this person like the Son of Man. This, this Jesus, right? Tells him in verse 19 to write, therefore, what you've seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven churches, seven stars you, you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. And so we are told, but the Bible interprets itself, right? We're told exactly who the angels are, what the angels are, what the seven lampstands are. We, we know these are the churches. Um, and so there's not a whole lot of, of, of confusion uh, in the first chapter here. The only thing that, that has some interpretive um, differences is who these angels are, right? Who, who are these angels? And there's, there's a couple different explanations of who the angels are. Angels, that's another topic that get people all bent out of shape. And I thought Kevin did a good job in going in the beginning of Hebrews, um, because this angel thing is not anything new. Even the people back in the time of Hebrews was written were getting all bent out of shape about angels. Well, I don't remember what we were going through. Probably heaven. Our, our oh, series yeah, on probably. Heaven. Um, and, and the point, you know, probably MacArthur wrote that book. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> I think he did. That's a safe bet. <laughs> MacArthur or Piper, one of the two. Um, but he made the, the point that... We don't do enough Alistair books. Duh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. MacArthur made the point that anytime in scripture we see angels, 
we're going to see what we see here in a second of, of fear of yeah. John being terrified anytime he sees angels. Um, and, and we, you know, have this idea of angels. And, and I remember in the early 2000s, I'm sh- I don't know if your mom watched the show, but my mom did touched by an angel, touched by an angel. Oh yeah. Right. And, and the angels are here <laughs> and can, you know, helping people in a car wreck. Yes, yes. Yes. And that was a very popular show. Oh yeah. Super popular. Um, but it's not an accurate description of an angel. Anytime we see an angel in scripture, people fall down and people are scared. Correct. Um, and we're going to see John, the exact thing here um, with John when he does that, right? The, the effects of this vision. Um, but yeah, we'll see angels involved here. Um, but these angels in, in Revelation 1 are not the angels that we are thinking of. Um, these are probably... They're merely messengers. They're referring probably to the pastors and elders yes. of these churches. Yes. Um, they're, they're uh, yeah, understood as the, the messengers of God's gospel. Correct. To the people. These are not... Which are what the elders and pastors... Yes. And those, you know, and that's why he brings out in here that, you know, to refer, them, to refer to them as this, this is, he says that they are to be instruments through which God mediates his rule. So that's exactly what angels are, right? But then he brings out that this is a point where Christ controls the church in the speaking of the pastors and the and the elders mm-hmm. and different things like that. And that's why the qualifications are so high. And it just shows the importance of leadership in the New Testament yes, church, right? Yes. Because the, the responsibility that elders and pastors have is a heavy, heavy responsibility. Correct. Um, and that's why qualifications are high. And that's why, um, you know, the, the weight of being a, an, a leader in the, in the church should be seen as a very, very heavy weight and Correct. very important rate. And hear me out. I'm not saying that pastors are angels, but essentially their 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 jobs are the same. Mm-hmm. They're messengers. They're messengers. They're messengers. They're they're heralding the message of the king. And that's what angel when we see angels in scripture, they were sent to deliver a message from God. Yep. And so what's the effect of this vision, right? Paul see, or John sees this. He sees uh God, he sees Jesus with his white hair, with his eyes with fire, with his tongue uh, a, a sharp two-edged sword right what's the effect here verse 17 when i saw him i fell at his feet as though dead right the, we just see that paul yeah. or that john just falls to his feet in 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 terror but verse 17 he laid his right hand on me and say, saying fear not i'm the first and the last the living and the living one i died and behold i am li- alive forevermore i have the keys of death and hades and so we see that that John um, has has this ultimate fear. Right? He's brought to he's brought face to face with with Christ and in his glorified state, realizing that John is unworthy of being here. Correct. Right. Yep. Anytime we see that, um, we see people are are realize very quickly I'm unworthy to be in your presence of this heavenly heavenly being, and we see fear. But we see very quickly the assur- assurance of of Christ. Uh, holding the keys of of death, right? That that we have nothing to fear. Right? Those that are redeemed have nothing to fear, since Christ has already delivered us from yeah. that death, right? He holds. He decides who 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 is able to go in, right? Mm-hmm. He holds the keys, um, and so John has this assurance that that Christ is in control. Mm-hmm. He has the keys, and then what is his duty? His duty is to to pass on these truths to the seven churches. And he does this um, by writing down the visions that, that he's given 
um, and these letters that we're going to see to the, the other churches. An interesting Nate. I, you want to see you want to see MacArthur get up on his soapbox and get all bent out of shape. <laughs> you, you bring up these people that uh, claim that they've seen God. Um, you know, like the heaven is for real, or um, all these accounts that people have seen God face to face. And and MacArthur, every time I've heard him talk about that, he can just see his blood start to boil because. This is what happens when you see God. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw that in the transfiguration that we see in Matthew chapter 17. Um, it, in the it Being in the face of the glory of God, it, we fall to our knees in, in fear. And why is that? Well, it's because of the sin that we have. We are mm-hmm. so sinful in our being, and Christ is so holy in his being, that the only reaction we can have is to fall to our knees in trembling because of the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. So... This is, this is important here as we see this. Once again, like you said, John is realizing his own unworthiness before God. But at the same point, he's seeing that assurance that everything's okay. I've got it. I've taken care of your sin. I've taken care of everything else. And I will redeem you from your sin. And once again, Nate, we're, what, two chapters into Revelation? One. One chapter in, sorry. Two chapters in the book. One chapter into Revelation and the gospel is just everywhere. Mm-hmm. The gospel is everywhere because that's what we, I mean, we mentioned this last, this is what, this is what Revelation's about. If we don't have a concept of the gospel, the true gospel, Revelation's never going to make sense. The gospel, just as Christ holds the keys to our redemption, the gospel is the key to Revelation. Mm-hmm. And I, hope, I can't, I'm not going to stop mentioning that every time we do this because it's important. Yeah, we, we see here just in the first chapter um, so many things that, that should give us encouragement, so many things that should give us warning, and, and we're not even in the, the other 21 chapters. Um, but we see that, that Christ is holding the church. We see who he is in his glorified, glorified state, uh, and we see encouragement to uh, fear not, right? We, we see encouragement to the churches to fear not. Um, and... Next week or next time we do this, we're going to see some specific churches yep. uh, and the sins that they are dealing with, some encouragement to those churches, and and the the lessons that we can learn from what those churches are experiencing. Yeah, and that's and what we mentioned before. Not just specifically those churches, um, you know, like the church of Laodicea. I think that was the one who had turned from their first love, had left their first love. I'm not, maybe that was Ephesus. I'm not sure. Uh, that was Ephesus. Ephesus. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see these different things, and they're referring to the church in general. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 good stuff to do. And I want to close with this, Nate, as it closes out. This was the closing of uh, uh, chapter one. But it says, The challenge of the book of Revelation makes to every person is to be ready for his return. Only those who have loved his appearing, that is mentioned in 2 Timothy 4.8, who love him and acknowledge him as the rightful king, will enjoy the blessings of his kingdom. That sums up Revelation beautifully, and that is what we are here to try to bring out in this study, is that Christ is the key, and he is the foundation of our faith and the foundation of the book of Revelation. So once again, thank you, Nate, for putting this together. I'm Josh Fortenshrew with Nate Raber. God bless, and we'll see you next week.